0: Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio, from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral, in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host
1: Rick Howick.
2: And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Daryl Sacara, who has been a frequent guest on our show, mainly because we have him on when we want to talk about anything that has to do with American culture that uh, we're concerned about as Catholics. And we've got a number of things in California to be concerned about. So, Darrell, welcome back. Thank you for having me back again, Rick. And I understand that you're going to be shortly uh, leaving the state. We'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. I hope it's not entirely because of some of the things we're talking about today. (laughs) But regardless, we all could use a word of prayer. Would you please open us?
0: Sure. As always, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to continue to bless our work and our ministries that we do, both here at Catholic Radio, as well as the jobs that we perform in our own lives and our families. Bring your blessings upon us. Continue to watch over your flock and guide us through the guidance of our Pope and our bishops, as well as our priests. And we ask these things in Jesus' name as always, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.
2: Now, Daryl, uh, most recently has been the uh, chair of theology at Servite High School yes. and has been a principal and a president of high schools. And uh, I thank you very much for your service so far. And I know that even though you're heading off to the uh, state nearby, mm-hmm. you will be coming back in from time to time when we Yes, yeah, so I still you. have
0: family who live in our, in our beautiful state of California here. So we'll still be coming back and visiting. Just new opportunities, doing the same, similar ministries, uh, okay. you know, in Catholic education.
2: Somehow I figured that probably was the case. We have in California uh, a number of issues that have presented themselves in the last year or so. And I say in the last year or so, they've been out there in different ways for quite some time. But it's as if somehow we've put a huge magnifying glass over a number of things, and everyone that has been thinking about these things are are, are coming forward. So I've got two major areas that I want to make sure we've had a chance to touch on today. One would be religious freedom, and we've got a Mm -hmm. bill in the status – just passed the Senate's 360. And Senate Bill 360 is the bill that will, that essentially will take away the seal of the confessional from Catholic priests. Mm-hmm. So what it essentially does is say to Catholic priests that if anyone comes to you and reveals a particular crime that is of a sensitive nature, in this case, most mm-hmm. specifically, child abuse, but that's for today. We'll see mm-hmm. what they would we'll change it to tomorrow that the seal of the confessional cannot apply and the priest must report the person. Uh, we'll go into some of the detail behind that. But that would essentially say that the canon law, which has been around for more than a thousand years now, that has had the seal to the confessional that says on pain of excommunication, the priest cannot reveal what goes on in the confessional, even if he's threatened by any force, including the state, mm-hmm. that they, the priest would be uh, excommunicated. So, um, that's the first thing is in California, we have that going out. What is going on there? Okay. And then we just recently had, uh, Governor Newsom come out with a statement that, in light of all these different states that have been passing laws that have been restrictive to abortion in different parts of the country. So I can think of Georgia, for example, and Alabama, Alabama that have passed okay. some very restrictive laws, uh, heartbeat laws and laws that fully restrict uh abortions so that uh the lives of these unborn children are fully protected, although they're going to be challenged in court. Sure. So are yeah, they really fully protected? Be,
0: it's going to be going to the court.
2: But in light of that, California says it's open season here. If you are feeling like you would like to come find an abortion provider, California offers it. Sure. And what he essentially did in his in his invitation for women across the country to come to California uh, was to issue a proclamation. It's called the California Proclamation on reproductive freedom, and he has a number of whereas's here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine whereas's that talk about these rights in California. But it also talks about uh, well, it talks about the history of California. Then it talks about what rights we have in California to kill our children, mm-hmm. the constitutional right to privacy is in the California Constitution. Yes. Interesting that they chose to write it out and put it in the state Constitution, even though in Roe v. Wade, they said it's in the U.S. Constitution right. Correct. as a, a shadow, a penumbra, this non-existent, existent yeah, right. Yeah, a right that actually doesn't specifically mention anywhere in the Constitution.
0: I know that's been kind of a debate amongst constitutional scholars and historians, you know, is is this actually a right that's there? And my evaluation of it is that it is it's something that the court created,
2: Based on a few different items. And I want to get into that as mm-hmm. soon as, let me, let me finish out a little of this sure. because I want to lay this out for just a second. You then have, uh, his very next statement is, and if you're a young woman below the age of consent, which raises an interesting question as to how you sure. got pregnant, mm-hmm. but if you're below the age of consent, you can have an abortion without your parents not only giving permission, but ever finding out, which also means that the, the young man involved has no right to try to protect his child. Mm-hmm. You have a right to access, which means even if you can't afford it, it will be paid for for you. So the Hyde Amendment doesn't apply in California. Right. Uh, so we pay for these abortions in the state of California. Uh, you're making me want to get that U-Haul now. No, I'm just no. kidding. And then <laughs> the, the, uh, the right of confidentiality in exercising this church, which is so <laughs> erotic. So you have the right to have a private abortion, but you don't have a right to a private confession. Well, not only
0: that, if the person was sexually assaulted, the from what I understand, they not reporting this. I mean, how does that work? Because
2: especially in light of we're saying Catholic Catholic priests
0: who, who, again, who who have a seal of confession. That's been, you know, as you stated, Rick, you know, our sacrament and you know a
2: thousand year plus more tradition. So that raises for me the the question because I think. These are tied together. It's just they seem to go very well together in certain senses. Daryl, parse for us. What's (laughs) what's going on here?
0: Okay. Well, again, I think all this goes back to um, when you look at the history of our country. A fundamental right is to where do we believe our actual rights come from? Do our rights come from government? Do they grant us our rights? Or, as the Declaration of Independence states, our rights are God-given rights, in that sense, by our creator. They are unalienable, meaning that we don't, by government fiat, get these rights from there. I think the Constitution and the Declaration are very clear on that. I think we've reinterpreted that uh, in the 21st century to mean more individualistic rights that don't take into account a creator. We've become a much more secular, atheistic society. Uh, the fastest growing group of people in our country are the nuns who don't, and I don't mean nuns in the habits, I mean nuns who
2: don't believe any kind of... N-O-N-E. You know, a, a, yes. N- we don't believe in anything.
0: Anything or organized religion at, per se. In particular, Christianity, I think, is the one that's coming under increasingly more attacks because, and the Catholic Catholicism in particular, because we stand for something. Uh, and we've always stood for something. We were at the forefront um, when Roe V.A. was passed. We've been at the leadership point on this topic since 1973 and and prior to that as well
2: so i think maybe we need to go back to roots because i'm yes i'm looking at some of the discussions that have that have i've heard that have really underlined for me this growing difference between two groups of people Mm -hmm. We, we, we always have three groups of people those who are in the mushy middle who are just kind of wanting to not Pay any attention to anything. Right, right.
0: Going about their lives, which is, again, I mean, legitimization legitimate musician
1: have. You've got
2: bills to pay, children to raise, et cetera. But there are two groups that are vying for uh, not legitimacy, but for leadership, I think, within Mm -hmm. our society. And the traditional, when I say traditional, I'm using that term loosely, the traditional view of rights are what we would call the classical liberal rights. Mm Mm-hmm. And here I've got to be very careful with how I use that term and not get, first of all, get too far into the weeds. Mm-hmm. But the modern use of liberal versus conservative is not what I'm talking about. Correct. Liberal in the modern sense are usually those who are kind of what you would call left-wing, uh, socialist-oriented, perhaps. Mm-hmm.
0: Materialistic. Materialistic, like that, so yeah. Not
2: yeah. that you can't have That's, materialists on the right side either. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about what they used to call the classical liberals were the people who uh, we're part of the, uh, the so called Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. The French and the, and the English, like, uh, John Locke, who, mm-hmm. uh, helped influence the founding fathers of the United States sure. to make a statement in their founding document that they hold certain truths. We, we literally quote, we hold these truths Just to be self evident. Correct. That, and here they are, all men, yeah. hum, human beings, all men are created equal and endowed by their creator. So this is a God-based system. Sure. Even though they were mostly deists, they believed that there was something out there. Mm-hmm. And it is that something mm-hmm. that gives them rights. And that's important because if it's something beyond us that gives us rights, mm-hmm. then it's that something beyond us that can take them away and no one else. Correct. But if it's us people who give us our own rights, then the government of China right. can take them away, or the government of, of the Soviet Union back in the 70s could take mm-hmm. them away, or the Nazi government could take them away but in america since we hold that these are god-given rights they cannot be taken away so we hold these truths of be self-evident all are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among these are life liberty and the pursuit, the pursuit of happiness right. now that's from the declaration of independence and that was the founding set of principles which identify right. that everything that follows including the constitution should it, well, be it interpreted has to be based
0: on that and to support those basic rights those what we would call say,
2: in the modern language human rights And that's most fundamentally enshrined, most succinctly, in the First Amendment. Correct. And that would be the rights to freedom of thought. So Mm -hmm. freedom of belief system, freedom of practice of belief system, Mm -hmm. freedom of speaking about your belief system, whether it's political or religious. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what the First Amendment guarantees. Right. Okay. That's all on one side of the philosophical divide. The other side of the philosophical divide came in Germany in the early uh, 19th century and then... Became perfected about halfway through, through Karl Marx mm-hmm. and the Marx Engels, reader, which you can still buy different versions of. Out there I think as... you can get them on free online if you really want to pay for it. If you want to be a good so sort of communist, you know you can but buy the, it for free. But the careful about communists. We're now calling it democratic socialism in certain sectors. But anyway, <laughs> but th- that philosophical system abandoned the principle that there is a god, and for Marxism, it is incompatible to have a god in the system. It's all based on the, on the numbers, and it's all based mm-hmm. on materialism. Uh, and in fact, it's, it's a battle of materialisms, which we call the dialectical materialism, mm-hmm. which is a fancy word for saying back and forth. Right. So battles, back and forth. And what determines your rights is the winners and losers of these battles. Human beings do, not God. Right. And we're now, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Daryl, I think that's what's behind What's going on here is we've got two different groups of people, those who still hold to the idea that God gives us rights, Mm -hmm. including the rights, the right to life in the womb, Mm -hmm. and those who believe that there is no God giving rights, whether they believe in God or not is a different question, but there's no God giving rights. Only human beings do. Therefore, they can take them away.
0: Well, yeah, I think, Rick, you're correct on that, that there's that influence of what we might call the left ideology that stems from Marx. I also, it's interesting, you brought up the French and American revolutions. I always see, historically, these are two kinds of different revolutions, whereas the American Revolution based the ideas on John Locke's philosophy of God-given rights, unalienable rights, that Locke recognized the idea of a supreme deity, uh, and that, you know, many of the Founding Fathers you mentioned were deists. I think most of them were actually Christian followers. We use that word deism today to kind of soft-pedal that a little bit, I think, in history. Uh, if you really go back and look at the Founding Fathers, they were believers, I I, I wouldn't doubted in my mind. Maybe Jefferson was the one that we can kind of maybe take a look at and say, you know, he had re-edited the Bible, took out the things, and just kind of, you know, did certain things with that. In comparison, for example, the French Revolution, which had devolved into a very anti-clerical revolutionary movement, and began with ideas that were sparked by the American Revolution against monarchy, monarchical governments towards democracy, but ended in this reign of terror that um, the French people went through. So, I think putting that together with what develops in the 19th century, with Marx's ideas of being no God. I think all of that kind of plays together so that you can talk about revolutionary movements in the French Revolution, the American Revolution, and then tie that in with Marx's revolution, which I think, if I look at the American Revolution and study it, and Marx and, and the, the French Revolution, I see two
2: different kinds of themes going on there. So when we come back, I want to touch on what's going on here in California. Mm-hmm. But we do have, then, two different themes that yes. are coming out of this, yes. and these are two different traditions, one that's a Marxist tradition and one that's a classical liberal tradition, mm-hmm. and they're becoming increasingly incompatible in yes. our society. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Daryl Sequeira, and when we come back, I want to talk about a- our S- Senate Bill 360 and what that means as Catholics in the Catholic faith in the seal of the confessional. And we will be right back.
0: Hey everyone, Timree from Trending with Timree's here. This week I have a licensed marriage and family therapist in studio with me. And we're talking about the dissatisfaction that so many people experience within marriage. Maybe you have it yourself, but there are some key ways to work on your marriage to be a little more self-aware. Make sure to join me for that and more on Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant
1: Radio.
3: This is John Romeri, the music director of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove. And we have a spectacular repeat performance of the Libra Boy Choir from London, Tuesday night, August 6th at 7.30 p.m. And this boy choir, ages 7 through 16, is like no other you've ever heard. Last year's performance was completely sold out. Get your tickets early. Christ Cathedral Concerts, great music in a sacred place. For tickets, visit ChristCathedralMusic.org. Welcome
2: back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear mm-hmm. and where the Christ Cathedral is about to be reopened. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Daryl Sacera, who is uh, a frequent guest, especially when we're talking about all things American cultural. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking about what's going on in the state of California. And we've got a, a, a couple of things that have happened in the last uh, couple of decades, And the last couple of years most poignantly on freedom of religion issues and who gets to determine what happens to these children in the womb? Uh, you know, I, we can go into, I'm going to go into the uh, abortion issue in just a moment because Mr. Newsom brought it up. Uh, but essentially it comes down to a battle of whether or not the woman decides if the child should live or die or if we're going to err on the side of the child. And that comes down to whether you believe the child in the womb is worthy of such a decision, of such a, of such a gift, of such a, um, of such recognition. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the, the ultimate is to whether or not we recognize that. So when we come back to that, I want to get there. But before we get there, we have a secondary issue. And that is if we believe that human beings are the ones that give us our rights. Then it's up to the human beings to decide. It's the human beings who decided to give slavery in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's the human beings who decided to take it away. And they ended up taking it away through a war, but they took it away. And in a similar sense, it has become human beings now in the state of California who are deciding whether or not that child in the womb has value enough to survive even if a woman would prefer not Mm -hmm. to keep that child alive. And that comes down to human beings making those decisions. So we go back to what's going on right now in the Senate regarding the church. The church has had several horrible, horrible things happen to Mm -hmm. it, often self-inflicted. So we look at what happened with the priestly sex abuse and the cardinals and bishops that were less than responsible and some of them outright criminal in how they handled mm-hmm. some of the situations. So McCarrick has become the poster child for mm-hmm. this horror that's taking place in our country. And the state of California has decided that it wants to eliminate anywhere it can the possibility of anyone hiding a child abuser. And that means that people who are mandated reporters must always report when they learn about a person who has committed such a crime against a child. And I think all of us are very, very sympathetic to that. We would like to make sure that anyone who has committed such a crime is both held accountable and that the future crimes are prevented. But in going after the priesthood by declaring it to no longer have the seal of the confessional, under the circumstances where if the priest finds out that a, a penitent has confessed such a crime, that they must turn over or divulge the information as to what he said and what this person said and and who the person is to the authorities, in doing so, they have determined that they can determine your rights.
0: Right. Well, they're also determining what the Sacrament of, of Reconciliation Confession is about. They're basically saying, by law, that that sacrament, it becomes null and void in the sense that a priest can be forced by court. Now, whether priests will actually do this or not, they may end up in jail as a result of this.
2: There have been many times you know, in the that, past where, it,
0: where that's that's occurred in history. We know that that that's been the case. So, you're basically looking at taking a, a sacrament of our church and saying the First Amendment doesn't apply in this case. That freedom freedom of exercise of religion, the state shall make make no law respective of it. We're basically saying no in this instance. The Catholic Church, in particular, because we have the seal of the confessional, is no longer bound by that. I think that also has wider implications. I mean, I don't know how that might affect later on attorney-client privilege, um, where that will violate, you know, attorney-client privilege or doctor-patient privilege. I mean, all there are certain privileged things that people can confess to uh, with confidence, and all of a sudden now this confidence has been removed from mm. the seal of the confession.
2: Let's talk about the lawyer privilege for just a moment. That, to me, is a pretty good one because it takes away the religion part of it and just puts right. the practicality on on trial for a moment. I do want to get back to the religious aspect. But for the moment, let's go here. From a practical perspective, we believe that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And Mm -hmm. therefore, anyone who's accused of a crime is is to be afforded the best possible defense possible. And the only way to make sure that the person has the best possible defense is for the person accused to tell their lawyer everything. Correct. So the lawyer can help determine whether or not there are there are issues or loopholes or things or circumstances. Loopholes is the correct. wrong term, but circumstances, Circumstances, yeah, that, that might mitigate it. Yeah, and it may be that you are guilty of something but it isn't what you're being accused of. It might correct. be something different. And the only way to find out any of that information, the only way to plot what is going to be your strategy for defense is to be open and honest with your to attorney. be open and honest with your attorney. Anyone who hires an attorney and then tells him a lie is a, is a fool. Right. Under the current circumstances, where if you tell the attorney something, then it can't be brought out. But if you take that away, where what you tell an attorney could be under certain circumstances subject to be, what if you're telling your attorney that you're guilty of this crime, Mm -hmm. and then they call your attorney to trial, did your client confess to you? Right, right. (sighs) That's ridiculous. Well you undermine the entire judicial system which, upon which the Constitution now has been founded. Which means essentially. Two, which means two things happen. As you just said, you've undermined the ability for the system to work, and the person's never going to confess to their attorney. Mm-hmm. Which means it's a useless law. It will never happen. The person who's gonna who now knows if he confesses to his attorney can't confess to his attorney. And the attorney will be committing malpractice if he allows his client to To continue a confession that he's beginning to make without advising him, if you confess to me, I have to turn it in. Right. It's going to, to make virtually all confessions it, it's to an the attorney. undermining of rick
0: i mean it's undermining of truth we
2: want to get to the truth in any
0: court case and again i think that's part of where this senate bill is coming from is to try to get to the truth behind a sexual abuse and again but you're never
2: going to have someone to confess to a gonna, priest
0: again right they're not going to open up in that way to receive spiritual healing that is necessary in in every we believe in forgiveness yes it's a, a heinous crime and that crime needs to be punished um, but you're not going to get the sacramental healing if the person is not able to actually confess their sins. So, from a Catholic perspective, but well,
2: from a practical perspective, first right. of all, Just just from a just from a natural law perspective, correct? Uh, just like with the attorney-client privilege, you if you take that away, you undermine both the system where people are afforded justice, mm-hmm. and you also will make it so that the, well, the law again, itself will will destroy you, itself. Also,
0: you know, the Constitution also protects the right to self-incrimination, so you know you don't have to provide the prosecution with any evidence there. It's their job to build the case against you. Again, guilty, innocent until proven guilty. So it's the state's job to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a criminal case. Civil so case is a little bit different. And again, I'm not an attorney. I'm just kind of doing from the historical perspective here that it's the state's job to do that. And by compelling, I think, priests or law- lawyers or doctors to reveal something in this case, I-, I think goes against that. Now, again, mandated reporters, any educator, anyone who is a mandated reporter must report suspected abuse including and then the priests yes and then again outside of the, when seal, it's of outside of the seal, seal of the confessional confession. okay. correct but i think this specific specifically is going after the catholic church and for a number of reasons again i think the catholic church and this i think ties to our earlier topic with abortion has stood up for certain kinds of things that the state in this in our current age has deemed what we need to do as a state whether that's abortion and providing it, as you mentioned earlier, with abortion from people coming from other states here because Alabama or or Georgia are restricting it, they're seeing themselves in that position, that it's the state's right or duty now to dictate basically what should be a religious, theological, or sacramental aspect of how we as Catholics practice our faith. And I know that there are plenty of priests who will not break that, who might end up in jail as a result of this. And I can see cases, Rick, to be very honest with you, given the hostility towards Christians in general sometimes, where somebody, a priest, may be set up in that instance to be targeted because of maybe being very much pro-life, being on a a protester outside an abortion clinic, uh, for example. And so we're going to get this guy because he's too vocal. He's
2: too popular. Well, I look at... Then the historical precedence, is this realistically possible? One of the largest countries in the world right now vying with India is China, as mm-hmm. to, which is larger, um, depending upon whose whose numbers you look at. But they're well over a billion people. Mm-hmm. And they don't have, um, in their country, the ability to, to uh, not divulge, which is one of the reasons why the underground church was so important. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into... Th- some of the politics behind that in the church about what happened there. But that's a modern industrial country that's larger than ours that mm-hmm. is currently trying to implement this. Within the last hundred years, uh, in one of the most modern countries of the world, Germany, we had things that are unthinkable happen to not only Jews, which we've all talked a lot about, but Catholics as well. Um, that was part of the thing that people have forgotten about, that in the Eastern Front, Catholic priests and nuns were hunted. Yes. And then you get into, just in our hemisphere, less than 100 years ago, Mexico, our neighbor, Mm -hmm. uh, conducted a purge of the Catholic Church in its midst, Mm -hmm. hanging priests from telephone poles, Mm -hmm. shooting them. There have been movies made about it not that long ago Mm -hmm. that have uh, made it very clear. This, again, a fairly recent example of this happening. I'm not saying that California is going to come after priests with guns. No. I'm saying, though, that this becomes an attitude that, is one of oppression based on the will of the people. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, we were talking that there's uh, two different philosophies going on here. The original philosophy of the founding fathers, uh, I stand corrected on whether or not it was deism, but Mm -hmm. it it still had this idea of there being God, whether it was deist or not, as part of the reasoning behind their liberal philosophical ideas that included the right to free Mm -hmm. thinking, the right to freedom of speech, the right to privacy, the right to freedom of religion, and that those freedoms come from whatever God is Mm -hmm. in their mind, and therefore cannot be taken away, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the state of California right now that wants to take it away. Yeah, it's not even a matter of
0: the state taking it away. It's a state must protect the rights of individuals. And that's, I think, key to understand about the Founding Fathers and about... Our philosophical foundations is that these rights were inalienable, that governments must protect those rights, not give them, must protect the rights of individuals for freedom of religion, uh, freedom of speech, etc. That's the government's job. And when governments, again, get, read the Declaration of Independence, as I taught U.S. history, I would always have my students read the Declaration of Independence because uh, it's shocking how many students actually never read it. And these are college students now going through high school have actually never read the, the actual document that. It's the right of the people to actually change their governments when governments violate these rights. And so maybe one of the things as Catholics, we're looking, not calling for violent revolution here, but for to change our government to protect these rights, and that governments must protect those rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
2: You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Daryl Sacera. We're talking about what's been going on in California the last several months couple of years with uh this drive toward both focusing on abortion and the denial of religious freedom to catholic priests and how they're related when we come back i want to shift gears to the abortion side of the house Mm -hmm. and what that means you're listening to orange county catholic radio and we
3: will be right back The passing of a loved one is a difficult and often sorrowful step in life's journey. The helpful and supportive staff at the Cathedral Memorial Garden Cemetery, located on the 34-acre iconic Christ Cathedral Campus, are here to assist you and your family through this transition, offering a central location, serene garden-like grounds, majestic fountains, and a dramatic statuary, all set within the beautiful Christ Cathedral Campus. For more information, please visit memorialgardens.christcathedralcalifornia.org or contact 714-489-6102. This is John Romeri, music director at Christ Cathedral, and I'm inviting you to the very first concert in our new cathedral. It is Sunday, July 21st at 3 p.m., and it is the incredible boys' choir from the London Oratory School conducted by Charles Cole. The first half of their concert is great music from the Spanish Renaissance and the second half from Tudor England. Do not miss it. Christ Cathedral Concerts, great music in a sacred place. For tickets, visit ChristCathedralMusic.org.
2: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Daryl Sacera, who is the chairman of, or has been the chair of religion at Servite High School. Uh, Daryl, you're on your way to, um, we'll just say it, Arizona. Yes. You're on your way out of the state. You're not officially leaving because of the way the state of California is no, gone. no. But it's a happy leaving in yes. certain respects. And we're talking about some of the issues that are going on in the state right now. We have several states that are in what the West Coast and the East Coast sometimes call the flyover states yes. that are passing laws that seem to affirm both the natural law rights of people to protect, be protected from the earliest stages of development and also the religious rights of people to be protected for their freedom to make mm-hmm. those decisions about what, what a life is before God. Whereas in, in New York, we just saw them pass a yes. very draconian law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in California, we just had Governor Newsom come out with his declaration of the California proclamation on reproductive freedom, where he advertised to all these other states that have passed laws that have been restrictive of abortions that y'all come to California and we'll help take care of it. And mm-hmm. they've, we've got in California, uh, the right to do this with privacy, which is interesting that they're not going to take that away from the confessional, right. but we'll do it with privacy. And that means that if, you're underage. We'll also take care of that, which creates some very interesting questions mm-hmm. about mandated reporters and how do you take a girl who's pregnant at 16 and not ask certain questions about it? Well, that leads to all kinds of other issues as well, Rick. And, I mean, and, underage and, people
0: traveling across state lines to
2: uh, yeah, <laughs> and then we've got the idea that um, the Calif- state of California will pay for anyone who doesn't have the money for it either. Mm-hmm. So the Hyde Amendment the and state, the state level is out the window. Right. Uh, the state of California is paying t- to to terminate pregnancies, what Catholics would say is to kill children in the yes. womb. And this goes back to a, a difference that uh, I, I think needs to be explained for just a moment. Taking a charitable view of of both sides is mm-hmm. important, I think. We get a lot of heat generated when we talk about abortion. Sure. And it's very easy to become flippant, and I want to make sure we don't do mm-hmm. that. When we're talking about abortion rights, those who believe in abortion often come from that Marxist perspective, which takes God out of the picture. Whether Mm -hmm. they believe in God or not is a different question. But in their philosophical thinking about rights, they've taken taken God out of the system and they've decided to rely on what the people say they want to do. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to focus on the actual child. They want to focus on the rights of the woman to stay working, which raises a whole other set of questions. So she should not be interfered with. This is one of the reasons why birth control has been very important. It allowed for women to continue their careers and to continue working. And now when those don't work, since they don't work 100% of the time, Mm -hmm. abortion has become important to keep women working, to keep women in their careers, to keep their dreams alive from a positive perspective, but to keep them on the assembly line from a negative perspective, Mm -hmm. just to keep women engaged. And that to take that away is to discriminate against women. Mm -hmm. Whereas from the pro-life side, at the moment that you have the combination of the two cells of the man and the woman, you have a unique set of DNA that has never existed before, never will again. And that is the earliest stage of development. All other cells are going to come from that DNA coding and they will all be That DNA, that is the beginning of human life, regardless of when you want to talk about anything spiritual about it, just from a natural law perspective, Mm -hmm. there's no denying that's the beginning of life. Even before implantation, that's the beginning of life. That's conception. That's that's biological science. So when we're looking at it from a religious perspective, the only question that really comes into play is, does a human being, even at its earliest form, have value? Mm -hmm. And if so, what level of value? We as a society have determined, based primarily on these classical liberal ideals, that human beings are so valuable that if you murder one, if you kill one intentionally, one that's alive and out and walking around the streets, if you kill somebody intentionally, you're held accountable to the highest level possible. Sure. We used to use the death penalty in most cases. Now we use life, we use a very long prison sentence or life Mm But we make it very clear to kill a human being is one of the worst things that you can do, especially if you if, especially if they're an innocent human being. Yes. And those of us who are pro-life look at the, these as being the most vulnerable, most innocent human beings. They should be protected, too. Now, you may disagree with that, but if that's what they believe, then what they're trying to do is not hurt women. They're trying to save unborn babies. Mm hmm. And before we generate a lot of heat, let's give credit where credit is due there. The people who are trying to protect the babies, they're trying to do something very noble. Yes. And the people who don't believe that there's either any value to that life or for whatever reason don't believe that that is the beginning of life. Well, if you don't believe there's any value to life, mm-hmm. or you don't believe that it's the beginning of life, then they would be correct. How dare you interfere with a woman's right to choose to eliminate something that has no value? Mm-hmm. So the question comes down to, do you believe in God and the value God has placed on the beginning of human life?
0: Yeah, I think, Rick, you're correct. I mean, there's these two different perspectives. Um One could make obviously obvious from the religious perspective that God, we talk we about Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God, and therefore, any human life that has been conceived... Uh, must be protected. You know, y- you look at you know societies that de- denigrate those individuals or devalue individuals. In our own history of our country, we've seen that whether it was with slavery, whether it's immigration, that when you devalue, and dehumanize an individual, you can do really all kinds of unspeakable things, from enslavement to medical experimentation, to any kind of thing. And that's what we're seeing. It's not just abortion. There's medical experimentation going on with this. We're selling there, body there, parts. There's right. all kinds of things. And, in fact, the the uh, individual is been sued. Um, I'm forgetting his name now. It's slipping my mind. In our state. David, I, David Gladden? Yes, yeah. the, um, who helped expose the whole Planned Parenthood selling of body yeah. parts. Uh, there's no way he can come with. I think it's a $190,000 settlement in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So you have individuals like this who are fighting to protect human beings who are willing to go to jail for it. Again, from the historical perspective, it goes back to the issue, uh, the the divisive issue that, that had the same amount of heat that led to the Civil War, the issue of slavery, and whether the courts recognized African slaves as human beings, and for, until the Civil War, that was the argument. What was the Dred Scott case? So the Dred Scott case essentially said that Dred Scott, an individual who was a slave, uh, who was transported to a free state? Dred Scott sued for his freedom, having lived, I believe, it was near Illinois in, in a free state, uh, and the court basically denied his right. Not that he was a, that he wasn't a slave or free; that he was actually not a human being. That he had no um, standing, as to how the the court put it, to sue in the court of law. And by that court decision, not only did it not free Dred Scott or listen to his case, say so you have no reason to bring your court case to court at all. Uh, your property, and property cannot sue because, like a donkey or a horse or a cow, which is property of its owner, they don't sue in court either. Essentially, that's kind of, the, in a nutshell, what it said. And then it went even further, which is the problem when Supreme Courts and courts and, in general tried to legislate social policy, is they struck down many of the laws of the land that prohibited slavery in the free states that basically said your laws are null and void. I think, Rick, we're seeing the same thing happening. We're having our states divided, like New York, Illinois, and California on the one side of it. By, by the
2: way, the Dred Scott Law, which was in, in, I think it was like 1850 54 or so. 1854, I believe it so was. So, for several years was the law of the land. Yes. Was eventually overturned.
0: Uh, it took the Civil War, I think. And the passing of, of amendments. The 13th, 14th, 13th Amendment to basically undo it. Which I think is what we're seeing here. Uh,
2: five, the 14th Amendment was the Equal Protection Clause. Correct, correct. Which gave equal protection to all human beings, black, white, otherwise. Right,
0: and that's the irony of that is that's also been used to argue for that was Roe versus Wade. Wade. Yes, so
2: we go back to how so that was decided.
0: We, we, we took we took a, a thing which helped to free individuals from bondage. Well,
2: wasn't that what the whole state of Texas was trying to say? Was that the child in the womb of mm-hmm. Roe was being denied, even at this early stage, its right to life? Correct. Which should be guaranteed it under the 14th Amendment Correct. because all human beings, including those who are in the womb, should be protected. That was what was originally said, wasn't it? I believe so. And that's what was struck down mm-hmm. by Roe versus Wade.
0: Right. Well, they created and it's now it's the, the, law law the right, right
2: to privacy
0: that they, again, created out of the Constitution— um, which, again, there's nowhere that states that we can imply ideas of privacy in my home. You know, you cannot unreasonable search and seizure. I think is how they kind of looked at it. Well, it's unreasonable for a woman to not have power over her own body, which is the most personal thing she has. But as you pointed out, Rick, this is not her body. This is a separate person that has been conceived.
2: Okay, so let's back up for a moment. Her body is where it's being conceived, so it's important to her. Correct. But we talk about choices in life, like mm-hmm. pro-choice. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about choices, most pregnancies result from sexual interaction that is freely chosen. Yes. Not all, I recognize that. There are some horrible instances that happen. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that's what happens. The majority of cases. And the question then becomes, does a separate human being then growing under natural circumstances have a right to expect that once conceived should be allowed to continue to live? Yeah.
0: And I think that's where, you know, the pro-choice side is making the argument that it's not an individual. It doesn't have the same level of rights. And legally, we recognize, you know, children, for example, do not have the same rights as adults. Children cannot vote. You know, but when it comes to human rights, now that's a political right. The yeah. right to vote is a political right. Yeah. When it comes to the human right, no one would argue that the life of a child has less value than the life of an adult.
2: Well, there are people who would argue that.
1: Well, but they're, uh, arguing, yes, they it,
2: they're <laughs> arguing it from the perspective that there is no intrinsic value to anything that human beings as a collective democracy have determined. If the people give the rights, the people can take it away. under right. that philosophy well, that, goes that's back a, to that, Marxism. That's
0: a very dangerous philosophy because that allows for end-of-life issues where euthanasia becomes involved and a person is no longer useful to society because they're no longer productive. I, I think that's a very dangerous precedent, Rick, to set in our society. If this is what we're saying about human beings is that they're only capable of production, and therefore that's going to set your value of life, that's a dangerous precedent. That's a dangerous road to go down.
2: So when we're looking at what happened with Roe versus Wade, the original intent was to try to recognize that the life of the child inside the womb should have equal protection to a child outside the womb, and it backfired on Roe versus Wade. The court decided, no, the woman has an, a right that has never been expressly stated in words, but is behind or in the Mm -hmm. shadow of other rights. Therefore, there's this right to privacy that, that somehow trumps the right to life of the child. Mm -hmm. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, there's two ways this then could go. I understand one way would be for it to fall under the rule in the constitution. And I believe it's the 10th amendment that says that all there are other rights out there, but all rights that have not been specifically stated in this constitution are then reserved to the states and to mm-hmm. the people. So it go back to be a state issue. And each state Correct. which is why these states are passing these different laws. Right. right I think that's that's part of the reason for that. But the second way it could go would be to just go back and recognize what the state of Texas tried to get done, that there is an equal protection mm-hmm. of the unborn child under the Fourteenth Amendment, which granted equal protection to the former slaves, now granting it to unborn children, mm-hmm. which would make all laws allowing the killing of unborn children mm-hmm. to be null and void. That's how I understand Yeah, and I I think what you
0: see, you're you're correct, Rick. You're seeing the states. I think the writing is, so to speak, on the wall, especially since the last presidential election, that I think those on the left who have almost, in in my estimation, enshrined um, abortion almost as a sacrament, not to, you know, be flippant about this, but it's become such an issue that they're not willing to give any, that they're going to these extremes. Yes. You've got laws like in California, Illinois, and New York that have taken what most even on the approach side the was seen as a, an extreme position and now made it kind of mainstream for them.
2: When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what Catholics should do about all this. We're talking with Daryl Sacera about what's going on in California with freedom of religion and freedom of the child to live in California. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what Catholics should be doing to further that. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back.
3: This is John Romero, the music director of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove. And we have a spectacular repeat performance of the Libra Boy Choir from London, Tuesday night, August 6th at 7.30 p.m. And this boy choir, ages 7 through 16, is like no other you've ever heard. Last year's performance was completely sold out. Get your tickets early. Christ Cathedral Concerts, great music in a sacred place. For tickets, visit ChristCathedralMusic.org.
4: In L.A. County, there are more than 28,000 children in foster care. And sadly, every day more children enter the system. But their story doesn't have to end there. Maybe you've been thinking about starting or expanding your family. If so, there's a child in foster care waiting for you. A simple visit to fosterall.org can change the course of a child's life and yours. As a proud partner with the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, Foster All takes the guesswork out of navigating the foster-adopt process and will match you with a foster family agency that suits your needs. Each agency is different, so let Foster All be your guide. Log on to fosterall.org. There's a community of amazing people waiting to support your decision to love a child. And Foster All is right beside you the entire way. Do you have room in your heart and your home for a child? Begin your journey with Foster All today at FosterAll.org. That's FosterAll.org.
2: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. And with me today has been Daryl Sequeira. And before I go any further, I want to make sure I take a moment to thank you, Daryl, for coming in. And then you're going to be starting a new adventure in in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, and so we probably won't be hearing from you as often, but I hope that we'll be hearing from you from time to time, especially if we have issues coming up, gosh, I don't know, in an election year, I, it's possible.
0: That's true. You just, you know, give me a call. It's not that far of a drive. We can
2: always do you over over the, the telephone <laughs> if necessary, so we'll see. Maybe we'll include you on the paddles, but yes. I wanted to make sure I thank you not only for coming in today, but for all the times that you've come in, and helped us kind of pick apart some of these issues that Catholics have, mm-hmm. especially as we're talking about today in the state of California. What do we do with a state that is saying to Catholics, your priestly confession is now subject to the laws of the states so that we can force your priest to tell us what you said, or the laws of the state of California mean that um, an unborn child does not have a right to continue to live. What do we Catholics do about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess I, I look at like for the, we were talking about the rights of a child. You were talking about slavery and the people that are innocent in this is it, the victim is not the woman. The victim is the child mm-hmm. uh, in this. Now, it may be that the woman is also a victim under certain sure. circumstances, yeah. but the victim is always the child because the child did nothing wrong. The child is always a, a precious human being and the, the child, therefore, is being mm-hmm. victimized. What about her or his opinion? I mean, we've had, if there's been 60-odd mm-hmm. million abortions in the United States since Roe v.ersus Wade or so, 30 million of them are women. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice to know what they would have to say sure. about it. I'd almost be willing to make a trade-off that the child gets to decide at some point, do, you, do I want to continue with my life or not? At least they have a say. Right, right. right now, there is no say. No,
0: and I think, you know, when we talk about victims... You and know, I don't really uh, mean that,
2: by the way. <laughs> no. I, I think when when we talk about victims,
0: you know, obviously, you know, the child uh, who is aborted is a victim. But I think also, Rick, I think the woman is also, whether this was an abortion done through choice, that, you know, their birth control didn't work or for whatever reason, but even in the cases where we're talking about rape or incest, which is usually, you know, the, one of the it's exceptional a kinds of things, smaller. small percentage, and that was one of the things the Alabama case said, they removed the rape and incest restrictions, which made it again no no abortions whatsoever. We got to remember that the women are also victims as well as this. They're doing something which is unnatural. They're there they know I think intrinsically and and women who've gone through abortions there's all kinds of ministries that are available to them.
2: Project Rachel
0: for Exactly, example. to to help them deal with something that they've done that they know is wrong. It affects hum, the human being. It, it affects who you are as a person, especially as a woman. And I think as as a Catholic community, we need to reach out to those women in those crisis pregnancy areas. And we have plenty of resources and programs available for women who find themselves in these crisis pregnancies. And that's the other thing. I think the state of California, I don't know if it ever went into effect, was trying to force pro-life ministries to advocate for abortion, which I think was struck down by the court. It was. And and it was one of those things that, you know, we didn't go on that road. But I can see this new declaration from Governor Newsom kind of doing away with a little of that as well now. Moving in that direction so that even those kinds of things, again, it's going to this extremism. uh, As a result, I think that maybe what we're seeing is that there might be a possibility, given the courts as a Supreme Court, as it stands today, might very well overturn Roe v. Wade, as you mentioned earlier, Rick, throw it back to the states. So they're trying to line themselves up as, you know, pro-choice, pro-life states. And that may very well be. I mean, I know that was part of the reason in the 2016 election why many people voted the way they did was because of the Supreme Court. Many of those in pro-life, you know, who I spoke with said, yes, this is the reason why the court is what's important, because we need to not only protect the rights of unborn, but religious freedom, as we're seeing now with Senate Bill 360, that this may be a Supreme Court issue going back to the constitutional issues, uh, freedom of religion, uh, and the right to life.
2: I listen uh, to a relevant radio on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, and Father Matthew Spencer, for example, has uh, said several times the last couple of weeks, uh, that he doesn't know a single priest in his entire life who would violate the seal of the confession, mm-hmm. no matter what the law said, because God and his church outweighs any group of people, right. no matter how they constitute themselves, whether they're the state of California or the United States government or the government of Rome during the time of the mm-hmm. of the Roman Empire.
0: Well, it's kind of like that that commercial for Hebrew national hot dogs. We answer to a higher authority. Yes, We do answer to a higher authority. And as Catholics, we answer not just not the priests, but we as Catholics answer the high authority. Where is your faith standing? Where do you stand on your faith? And how are you going to come down on that issue? I know when I teach my students, this this is always a choice I I lay before them. You must stand up for what is right, even in the face of
2: persecution. Well, and this raises an interesting question because we're often told by some of our leadership that abortion is not the only issue. There's other issues that are Mm -hmm. out there. But I've heard Patrick Madrid say a couple of times that he often will use the pro-life, pro-abortion stance of a politician as a a, a little bit of a test on mm-hmm. where they come from as a philosopher. So we were talking at the beginning of the show. Do you believe in there being a God involved in this process? Mm-hmm. And we have certain God-given rights that can't be taken away. Therefore, you're going to be trustworthy with those rights. Or do you believe that, like Marx, there is no God that should be involved in the political process, mm-hmm. and it's all purely a matter of, of what the will of the people wants and the tyranny of the majority. If you're pro-choice, that means that you can't be trusted to protect the rights that are given to the most vulnerable mm-hmm. in our society. That's something to think about mm-hmm. when we're looking at an election year coming up as to, especially in a state that has made it very clear that the if it continues going the direction it's going to go, it is willing to take away not only the right to life of an unborn child, which mm-hmm. for a number of people, I mean, from a practical perspective, if a woman finds herself pregnant and she had a lot of hopes and dreams that are going to have to be put on hold for at least nine months, if not longer, while well, or however long it's going to take for her to go through this and give the child up for adoption, if she, and if she's thinking that emotionally she's going to get out of it with an abortion, talk to people in Project Rachel. It yes. doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have the emotional trauma, but women can often see that child growing in their womb unexpectedly as a threat. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not the same type of threat that you can defend in a way that would kill the child. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, again, it goes back to a fundamental idea of what do we value in, in human beings. To see a child as a threat, I, 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 that's incomprehensible to me that my children, I have eight children, that any of my children are a threat to me.
2: But if you are an unwed uh, woman uh, I, who's yes. a sophomore in college and is thinking that she, she can't be pregnant now, mm-hmm. she actually can be. And that's what we have to start getting right. back to. Well, and that's where, Yes, again, she can I think be, and it doesn't mean it, it ends your life. It doesn't mean right. it ends your dreams. And we do have to give better support to what we're...
0: And that's, that's, again, the key point to understanding that we as pro-lifers must give support to those individuals, that those women in those crisis think that they have other choices, to use that word. They have a choice, to, and there are options, and there is help available for those individuals to seek out support, even maybe when the family doesn't support, I think, again, as Catholics, we need to step up that. I've got daughters, and, 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 you know, God forbid, not God forbid, but if something like that were to happen, I would be able to support my, my children. And I think that it's, it's important for us as Catholics to put those things into place. And maybe, if we're talking about what is the Catholic answer to this, is to support programs in the state, like California, that would support mothers who decide to keep their children.
2: It costs, people don't realize this, I think, but it's not just a matter of when you go in, you have a a simple low-cost abortion. It Mm -hmm. costs thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. for abortions. And the later you go, the more thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. And
0: the more dangerous it becomes for the woman, too.
2: If that money is being paid for by the state of California often, Mm -hmm. uh, if that money would be turned to use in supporting a woman so that she can go through the rest of her pregnancy, be supported Mm -hmm. with medical and, and whatever help she might need, so that when she gives the baby up for adoption, she can get back to school Mm -hmm. or get back to her job or get back to whatever she's going to do, assuming that it is going to make that much of a a difference in her Mm -hmm. life. For a lot of women, it doesn't. I know an awful lot of women in grad school who go through it pregnant.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Pregnancy is not a disease. Pregnancy is a condition that, you know what, women around the world have been doing for a long time. Yes, well, that's true. So I don't want to sell that short either. But to turn that money that we're Mm -hmm. spending right now furiously on trying to promote abortion to promote life, would make a tremendous difference mm-hmm. in the lives. of people. That's another thing that we can. Yeah. Do and, and
1: I
0: think, yeah. in what can we do as individual Catholics and we're hitting on these economic issues, so to speak. And people on, on the, on some side of my say, well, this will save the government money. I'm not really interested in government when it comes to the issues of life. It, it's something that we, we need to in, did I say invest. And in. I don't like using that term invest because people are not products that we invest. In. I invest in the stock market. I don't invest in people. I support individuals. I love individuals. I love human beings. And maybe this is where we, as a church, can look at you know, and doctors who are uh, obstetrician gynecologists could give their services to individuals who are in these things, so they're not worried about the cost that's being associated with this. Now, again, that's a whole other issue for another day, but I think that's one thing that we can do as Catholics as well.
2: I, I think as we started our segment with prayer, I think it, it undergirds. We've been talking about this from a philosophical perspective, but we shouldn't underestimate. You know, we as Americans we like to do something yes, physically, yes. but Prayer is of course, the most important thing that we can do to begin with, and I think that's where we as Catholics need to go first and foremost, is of to course. our Blessed Lady and to her son Jesus to ask for mm-hmm. mercy in all of this in the state of California, on our priests, and on our unborn children. Daryl, I want to thank you so very much for coming in and talking My with pleasure. us about the, these issues that have been becoming intense in California. Mm-hmm. Would you please lead us in a word of prayer?
0: Of course, as always. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we continue to ask your blessings upon our people. And we especially ask our Heavenly Mother to protect those mothers who are in crisis pregnancies to be the protector of our church, to be the person who can give us strength and to face these challenges as her son faces these challenges. And so let's close with the prayer that we've been, as Catholics, recited. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and at, at the hour, hour of our, our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Once again, Daryl, I want to thank you very much for coming in. Um, good luck on your new move. Luck aside, God bless you on your new move and the new ministry that you're going to be going into. And we look forward to having you back when we can, either on the phone or in the studio. Definitely. And it has been a pleasure once again to talk with you, even about thorny issues, mm-hmm. Which are so hard to navigate, and I hope we didn't offend too many people, but <laughs> the bottom line is these are important issues in the state of California right now about how do we protect the religious rights of our priests and and penitents, and how do we protect the rights of our children uh, who have yet to be born. And as Catholics, we have an obligation to take very seriously how we take mm-hmm. charge of that. Gerald, thank you for helping us explore a little bit more
3: My pleasure. about that.
2: And if you would like to either hear this again or to pass it on to somebody else, you can download this or listen to this on our podcast, which is at OCCatholic.com. And you can go to uh, the OC Catholic Radio uh, icon and click on it, and it'll give you all the latest shows. Uh, It's usually up a couple of days after it's been broadcast, and you can share that with a friend. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.